Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 341. We're talking hiring restaurant workers with a job story. We're going to be talking with Andrew Rubenstein of Rubenstein Bagels out in Seattle, Washington. Workplaces Worth Working, episode number 16. You know how important workplaces worth working are to me, to best serve, to the whole team, to the industry moving forward. And the job story is fundamental to that. We cannot, we cannot keep posting things like hiring line cooks, $14 to $16 an hour based on experience, apply here and expect anybody to be inspired, anybody be willing to come and work at a restaurant. The relationship and dynamic has shifted. It's a struggle massively. We're going to talk about that. Yet I think putting us in a place where we are compelled to tell meaningful stories to each other for each other to develop the foundation of our businesses to develop the foundation of the relationships that we create with our internal guests our team our employees our workers as well as those uh, those guests and so i i like this dynamic and uh, we're going to hear from uh, our andrew parr first i want to bring andrew in now and then we'll, we'll hear from uh, andrew rubenstein there's gonna be a lot of andrews i might call you guys rubenstein and parr just to keep it straight. So Andrew, good to see you as always. Always. Uh, our, our third meeting already today. Right. So uh, the two of you have a have a relationship. I want you to break that down a little bit because this episode came about very quickly as, as Ruben Stein is looking to open a second location. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, and the challenge and need for employees was coming about. Right. And you you two were messaging back and forth and you were messaging me about the messaging. The two of you were going break that down for us a little bit. What was kind of happening behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, <clears throat> Andrew and I first started talking about Rubenstein Bagels, number one, uh, probably about five years ago. Um, so it's 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 uh, been a long time coming. And uh, Andrew and I have known each other for decades. Um, at one point, he was my brother Jeffrey's roommate in Chicago for a while when they were living there together. Oh, there's a Jeffrey tie-in. All right, sidebar. Absolutely. We're gonna have to talk about that with the Andrews. That's that's amazing. Okay, right. And so, uh, you know, Andrew and I were talking about his frustration in in bringing on board new staff members, some to backfill people in important positions that are going to move on to RB two. Right. And then just general staff uh, hiring for for RB2 as well. And we started really engaging in this conversation about what it takes to attract staff. And, you know, some of the things that after the conversation started to transpire and unfold, I was sharing with Andrew. And then he then like immediately took and implemented in, in what he was doing as part of his strategy to attract. And so I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to look at my phone a little bit. So I apologize. But, you know, things like we're looking for folks who believe in diversity where we want to represent the community. And, you know, 
we have playwrights, podcasters, athletes, chefs, artists making up a great crew representing all the amazing folks that make up Seattle. Mm, and then, that, that's the one. That was the one. And you were sending me screen grabs of this as Andrew yep. was posting these. And so moved, I literally said, get them on the show. We have to talk about this. And and so with no further ado, I want to bring in Andrew Rubenstein because we got to talk about this. I'm glad that we got to highlight some of what you're doing. Andrew, uh, the bagel mensch, love that. Very good to see you. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. It's uh, right. fun to continue conversations with Mr. Parr. Absolutely. This is this is this is kind of the three of us talking shop about the the struggle that you're facing, the struggle that so many restaurants are facing, and your very quick buy-in to something that is absolutely thesis to us. And I have to tell you, so many people kind of roll their eyes, especially me out there, like pounding the pavement, talking about it, championing this idea that we have to tell more meaningful stories. And I get a lot of, well, they're not going to read it. They don't care. Like, it's not worth it. Like, and, and for you, you said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say something. And the fact that you said we have playwrights and podcasters, like you're speaking directly to a very eclectic, diverse, uh, different generations, different backgrounds. That is the hospitality industry. And so you're not talking over them or at them. You're directly talking and speaking to them. And that was meaningful. So wanted to definitely give you uh, a lot of props for that. I want to go back. The frustration that you were feeling, the original, you know, reaching out to Andrew or the back and forth, kind of what what were those feelings? What was the animosity that was brewing for you that that was maybe holding you back from what you eventually ended up putting out there? Well, I think what should be prefaced is, so I'm new in the industry, right? Yeah. And uh, as a business owner, I think it's really easy to fall into this trap, especially in this day and age of blaming um, government support funding and calling people lazy for not wanting to work and scratching your head at the fact that you're, you know, you're, we're offering a living wage and we have been, and we're not changing that in the result in what we're doing right now. Um, but you can get so frustrated and so disconnected from the people who are working for you. Right. Uh, and, and you're not, and, and, and I, I have to admit at first, I wasn't looking at it from their perspective. You know, um, I was looking at it from a guy who just thought I'm paying them well and they should join us, you yeah. know? Uh, and really, I think some things started happening for me around about a month ago. And then when I began talking to, uh, uh, to Andrew, it just kind of cemented all these thoughts. Um, you know, I had a manager leave, um, she left probably because, you know, we had challenges in our own communication style and it started making me think maybe I also am not communicating to my team well enough. Mm -hmm. I started thinking about my team in a different way that was um, uh, we're trying to create a corporate structure where I'm supposed to be floating above here and I'm not supposed to be interfacing that much with the people in the front line. As time went on, I started realizing this thing, that, that can't be the model. Um, I have to be involved in their lives and know who they are and talk yeah. to them. And then, <clears throat> and then as Andrew started talking about, you know, this, you cannot continue to put out the same message like everybody else does. Uh, it really got me thinking more about who the people are. It, like I mentioned, like 
I keep thinking of the cafe industry in particular, because that's what we are. So we're day parts, right? Yep. We're creating an environment for people to make a living so that they can also do their passions, right? We're here to give them enough money that they can, and, and, and in, in an enjoyable culture, ideally, that they're not burnt out, that they can't go home, that they can't write their plays, that they can't paint their paintings, that they can't get their edu- their degree or whatever else like that. That's the space that we're trying to produce. Um, on a side note, I was talking to one of my really close friends. He's a doctor. And he was talking about the same struggles of hiring people. But he was really angry. And he was angry with the fact that he felt like these people were walking in and they demanded respect. And I was like, well, why don't they demand? Why don't they get respect? Right. What, what, what's the problem with them wanting respect? And he was clarifying and saying things like, well, okay, right. I mean, they deserve respect, but they don't deserve all this high pay or this and that. And then he started using words like peon and that stuff just really Mm. rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I was just like, you just, we just can't keep speaking about people who are there. And, and the fact is that, and he would say things, but we have to pay them well. Or we're not going to get them. I'm like, and we need them is the words that they use too. And like, well, if you need them, how can they also be a peon at the same time as you need them to be working for you? You just can't have that. You can't talk out of both sides of the mouth. You can't denigrate them. You can't make them, can't make it seem like you're superior just because you have, because you're the owner. I mean, I suspect, you know, so, so this dialectic had to change, I think. And, and so I immediately posted on Instagram on one of my stories about this whole diversity thing. And then I took it to uh, Craigslist and poached and posted as such. And I've had results. I mean, I'm not saying that we're getting a flood of applicants, but we're getting applicants and people are mentioning that they are responding to the words that I've used as to why they're applying. And that's a, that's a key there. And, Andrew, thank you. Thank you for all of that. Just breaking that down, because I think that's the experience that a lot of people are having. And we we talk about, you know, how we've called ourselves bodies and hands that we're not even a whole person, that we are just filling space of void of an assembly line. And we have to go away from that mentality. And that's been self-deprecating as well. So it's not just it's not just externalized force. It's internalized as well. And so, you know, talking to the doctor, I think that was good to get an outside outside perspective and all of a sudden you were the one who was listening to somebody else and you're like have i sounded like that and i think that's right. an important thing to to reflect upon we talk about that a lot on the show i have to take responsibility andrew has to we all have to take responsibility for the parts that we've played in creating the environment that we're in currently and can't keep blaming 22 year old kids kids these days they're probably the, the best chance we have for success it's time to listen so i can i can definitely uh, uh, appreciate that for sure and you have another struggle, and I think you also mentioned you know, all the struggles, getting getting a flood of, of people, and, and I don't think that's the case. I'm not like change change your behavior and all of a sudden everything's going to change. We have a lot of historically bad behavior, so people still are like, I don't know if I trust this. Right. I mean, you may have not been a bad actor because said you're you're new to the industry right. but you you until you prove otherwise you look le- just like every other business owner who's created the hierarchy that you are lucky to be here and so you're having to shift that narrative across an industry millions of people strong 
And so, so I can appreciate that struggle. What are the conversations? Do you feel yourself and or your team interviewing people differently, talking to people differently? Like, are there different values that you're trying to portray versus just saying, here's the job that you're going to do? And any difference you've seen from that respect? Well, for sure. I think for one, the my managers who are doing the interviewing uh, for these cafe staff members, I think once I started talking this way, I felt like they're sort of like their diaphragm dropped. Like they just sort of mm-hmm. have let their, their guard down. I mean, I, of course, I've got a cafe manager who wants to hire people who are quality people, not just for diversity's sake. But as a black woman, I know she's going to want to hire. We, we want, we all want diversity, you know, and, and, you know, so how do I say it? Um, I feel like by talking in a way that allowed her to recognize that we're hiring for culture as well as we're hiring for performance, that allowed her to feel probably more like what she would like to hire for as well. Versus a guy saying, hey, you know, I need a garmanger who can slam out, bake, slam out sandwiches, you know, and, you know, hit these labor numbers and that sort of thing. You know, yeah. on that same side is like, you know, authenticity is the owner too. Um, I can't, I can't talk about labor numbers with certain groups because that's just the boss saying, make me more money, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be the manager talking labor numbers and things like that. And she's, cause she's their mama bear or their, their leader. And, you know, she's their caretaker. Yeah. And I think what, what you're talking about too, um, Andrew Parr talks about this a lot where you have to hire for attributes and train for skills. And the, who that person is, is going to be the more compelling aspect of their relationship with the business, with their team, with, with you as, as the owner, than the fact that they can bang out a bunch of sandwiches and are the right body in the right space at the right time. Like, I think that's important for us to, to reflect on. So I can, I can appreciate that as well. There's also the shift in, in your attitude and your language is going to have an impact downstream. It always, sure. always does. And you mentioned, yeah, you see the anxiety in the shoulders drop, the diaphragm drops, their breath changes a little bit because we get this like Stockholm syndrome almost where they start to, to have to dictate to people in a way that isn't the way that they would want to because they think that it's the job and really the job is to cultivate and invest in your most valuable asset, your people, right? And so if we think about turnover costs being the number one cost, direct labor is the thing we always talk about, but turnover is the number one hidden cost always. Is like if a manager is a half a point above labor numbers, yet they have a 48% turnover rate, well, then they're winning. And we need to start to shift some of those, those conversations. And so, uh, so I'm interested kind of fr- from here, are you... Are you doubling down on this? Is there more stories coming? I want to read some more of, of what you have to say because just off the cuff, what you put out is pretty great. I am. I'm I'm trying to, I've I've been working on some version of an essay or an op-ed piece, something that I'd love to get in the paper at some point to uh, speak to this effect. You know, I wrote, uh, my partners are uh, a group in Seattle that have close to 30 restaurants right now between Seattle and Spokane. And so they've got quite an organization running too. And even um, their executive chef 
he screenshotted that Instagram post and sent it to the whole hiring team. And he's like, let's go talking about things like that. So even, even the new guy is able to maybe help affect some mm-hmm. of the culture in the larger organization. That's my partnership. Um, but I, I am, I'm looking to write about it and I'm a little paralyzed at time to write about it uh, and keep the dialogue going. Um, you know, we're going to put something in the window at our second location really soon. It's going to be some similar iteration of this topic. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, um, I hope that the more we talk about it, the more I kind of what I really would like to see is the more we talk about it, the more we can somehow shift the consumer's perspective as well. Because like I was in I was in Chipotle the other day. They were miserable. They were slammed. They were making the worst burritos ever. They couldn't close the ends. It looked like they kept on, like it was a new person and a new person and a new person. It looked like massive turnover. And all I thought was, God, I hope I'm not making that culture right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you drink out of a garden hose of whatever, f- almost 400 tickets in four hours, you know, my team is slamming. And fortunately, I think generally they, they they dig the berserker mode vibe as long as nobody's hammering them and making them feel awful. But the other side of it goes to tipping. And I would love somehow when we start talking about the artists and the culture makers and the people that we're hiring and the teachers that they some that that the customer can recognize that. Down the road, you might be buying a $10,000 painting from a guy who you didn't even give a tip to because he was making a coffee for you. Mm -hmm. You might be going to see their play. You might be, you know, you might be worried about your kid being taught and that person doesn't have enough money to focus 100% on your kid. You know, because I, it's crazy. Sometimes I see some tips. I'm like, are you serious? $120 ticket, you give a $5 tip. Yeah, that's hard. I don't get it. That's hard. Well, here's here's an interesting thing. Uh, Robert Caldini's book, Influence, he talks about something, and this is why I'm so big on this, like what I call internal marketing, marketing to your team, current and former and future, because there's there's a there's a snowball effect that happens within the way that we think about marketing. So he talks about this this uh, car dealership that was having trouble finding sales associates and employees, and they were going through their regular channels and it wasn't working. So they said, let's do something different. They did a radio ad, not suggesting anybody has radio ads. It worked for them in small town Nebraska, I believe it was. Sure. And they said, we are doing so well. So many cars are getting sold here. We're so happy with the work. We're hiring new people. And two things happened. Number one, they found more people because they changed their language, they changed their approach. And number two, every single time they ran an ad, they saw a huge spike and would would see numbers that would eclipse, you know, uh, historical highs because people also want to spend money in a place that is doing two things. One, doing well. We want to spend money at places that are doing well. If other people, the social proof says they're doing it right, I want to also do it right. I'm going to spend money there. And number two, they want to see people investing in community. And so I'm a big believer in the fact that you continue to do this, you'll find more employees, you're going to find more customers because they're going to believe in the same thing that you believe in. And if you're just trying to sell coffee and bagels, 
you're vulnerable to somebody else who has more money to sell more coffee, more bagels, or has a better product or any of those things. So, so I'm a big believer in that. Uh, Andrew Parr, uh, as we're kind of winding towards the end of this, uh, just want to have you jump back in. And uh, this is really great. What, what's it like seeing this? Because you and I tell a lot of people this, and most people say thanks, but no thanks. And Andrew jumped right on it and like knocked it out of the park, like really, really great. And uh, and I'm excited to see what happens kind of from here. But uh, what what are you, what are your thoughts? What do what do more operators need to take away from this? I you know I I really appreciate the story that Andrew told about the executive chef who then screenshotted that and shared it with the rest of the organization. That's good. And I think that. Um, you know, by being able to write an op-ed piece, by being able to continue to have the conversations, by having the conversations internally and externally, it expands the conversation. And then mm. more people are able to have the same conversation. And then we can, as a community and communities, move this forward. You know, I, I spoke with another friend of mine who works for a corporate entity that owns also somewhere around 30 restaurants. And they had reached out to me because they were going to open up a restaurant in Colorado. And do I know anybody who could do this or that? And I said, well, tell me the story. And they were like, they, they sent me the job posts from their HR department. And then also said in a side note, you know, their relocation is available and housing is available and all of these different things. And I said, why isn't this in the job post? And all the good said, stuff they sent as right. a side note and none of that. And, is, right. And they, and they said to me, well, our HR department won't have that conversation with somebody until after they've applied. And I said, well, then you're going to get all the wrong applicants. And I, mm. I understand that you don't run your HR department, but your HR department, I mean, you know, Andrew also posted a list this long of benefits, living wages, insurance, yeah. 401k, you know, dining opportunities and discounts across all of his partner's restaurants. And does that mean theoretically, because you have an attractive place to work, that you may have to wade through candidates that aren't right for you? 100%. Sure. But it also means that you're going to draw in the candidates that are right for you by being upfront and direct and sharing that. Because one of my things that I always talk about is this is one of the only industries where people go in for a job interview and don't expect to have a conversation about PTO and insurance and long-term savings benefits. Mm. And that has to change. And people like Andrew who are able to put that out front and let people know are doing so much more to invite them into that process and that conversation. Yeah. And I, if I could, that, that, that also I need to give credit to the HR department that I roll up to that is supporting me through my partners. It's fortunate that they've done so much legwork on that regard and have been leading the way as to how they want to communicate and treat their, their employees as well. Good. Love, love that. It, it's going to take uh, being vertically integrated into the mindset and be bought in at every single level. It's going to be key. And so, and there's going to have to be a lot more groundwork laid. You have to break yep. through a lot of, of past beliefs and past history. And so I can definitely appreciate it. And another thing, by the way, Andrew, we will absolutely publish anything that you write on best served. 
100% would love that. What you're talking about is what more and more and more operators, more and more workers need to be talking about. We need to open the dialogue back up. It has completely been suffocated and there is so much just finger pointing happening right now and being solution oriented and being willing to have a conversation, being able to reflect on the things that you've done well and done poorly and be able to triple down on the people is, is gonna be key. So uh, excited about that. Uh, uh, real quick, give us give us the plug. When is RB2, by the way? I don't know if, if that's what you're actually calling it, but I like yeah. that. Well, RB2. two things. We did this hire of director of operations and she started uh, basically today, but has also started really has dug in over the weekend and she's phenomenal. I'm super excited about that. That's got to feel good. Super great. Um, you know, we're a small organization, but we're trying to get ahead of the operations needs as we have expansion goals for next year, which are pretty, um, to use that new word, robust. Uh, but Rubenstein's uh, Capitol Hill is the nomenclature we really should be using as much as I like RB2. Um, mm -hmm. Capitol Hill is supposed to open the second week of October now that we've got a leader in place and we're slowly building our staff up. The infrastructure is ostensibly done. We're waiting on equipment like everybody else is waiting for yeah. equipment to show up these days. You know, it's also the stressor that everybody's dealing with. Um, and then next year, man, well, we've got probably about three shops we're opening next year. Okay, to the moon. I can I can appreciate that. Uh, Andrew, let's stay connected. We want to hear more about the trials and tribulations and the micro successes and the micro failures of all this. Uh, we, we even love to like, I'd love to uh, publish something from you. I'd even okay. love to have your manager and and somebody who, who you hire who said that they saw that post. I'd love to have them even write something to contextualize that that's the kind of interconnected storytelling that i'm so interested in that that andrew sophie our whole team is like really focused on bringing those to light because we need to talk about the real painful parts and we got to talk about you know the successes as well and so this could be a good showing multiple perspectives of the same interaction could be unique so let's talk about that and if that helps elevate your platform to speak on that then we'd be honored to be a part of that yes chef yes let's go all right Andrew Rubenstein, Andrew Parr, thanks to both of you, Mensch, for uh, for doing the work that you did behind the scenes and, and getting to this point where we got to talk about it. Really, really grateful. Thanks for um, including me. Yes, let you, let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode with uh, the Andrews Best Served Podcast 341, Hiring Restaurant Workers with a Job Story. Tell a story. It's the thing we value most in this world is story, story, story. And food is a great connector for stories. And uh, Andrew Rubenstein, Rubenstein Bagels is obviously bought into that idea. So we really appreciate that. And I hope all of you, if you're on either side of the equation, if you're out there trying to come up with a job description, don't copy and paste what worked two years ago, five years ago. Think about what's compelling you to do the job and the people you want to be surrounded with. And if you are on the other side, you deserve and go ahead and demand that respect and make sure that you are mapping towards something that's meaningful to you personally. And that accomplishes your goals, as, as Andrew laid out, of writing that play, of, of being that podcaster, whatever it is that's uh, motivating you creatively 
and uh, in your work life as well. So that's it for this episode. Appreciate you all as always uh, for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.